You're in the water loop. Welcome to Waterloop, the podcast helping water leaders to discover solutions and drive change. I'm the host, Travis Loop. How does someone develop the mentality of a mentor and create opportunities for others? For Tim Alston, it started in high school when the people selected for a leadership program didn't reflect the diversity of the student population. That sparked Tim to start a mentorship program for younger students of color in the local community and launched him on the path of helping others to enter STEM education and occupations. In this episode, Tim discusses what motivates him as a mentor and how he has encouraged minorities to pursue STEM at the University of Illinois, the American Society of Civil Engineers, and in his role as a plant manager at the Gary Sanitary District. This episode was made possible by support from Springpoint Partners. Now to the conversation. You're in the water loop. Tim, really, uh, really happy to have you on the podcast here. Really interested in your story, you know, and all the work that you've done all along the way to try to, to build mentorship programs, uh, mm-hmm. to try to mentor people, to try to build more opportunities uh, for people like yourself. Uh, I think that it's really inspiring, kind of the, 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 the path you've been on and want to share it with people and also share a little bit about how you've done it. Um, so let's let's Sounds kick good. it back all the way to high school here because um, you know that's that's kind of where you started uh, this practice of yours if you will um, right talk about that in high school when you kind of first started a program uh, to create opportunities for people uh, to, to get involved especially in stem yeah for sure uh, well thanks for having me on Travis um, so for context I'm from Maryland and um, I am too. So we got to, we, yeah. we share that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, community neighbor. Um, That's right. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the high school, the, the area I grew up in was pretty diverse. It's one of the most diverse counties in the nation, um, Montgomery County. Um, the high school I was at at the time, Seneca Valley High School in Germantown, Maryland, reflected that diversity. Um, we were very diverse. We were exposed to a lot of different people from different backgrounds and different, um, you know, walks of life. And it was really invaluable. Um, and I said all that because um, there was a stark difference between representation and leadership and representation in, um, amongst the student body uh, for those who wanted to be seen, be leaders, ambassadors. And, um, you know, those students who were called upon for those opportunities did not reflect the diversity of the school. Um, for example, I, my senior year of high school, I applied for this program called Eagle Ambassadors. Um, our mascot was the Screaming Eagles, and the whole point of the Eagle Ambassadors was to serve as student leaders, help create programming for the school, for, your, for our class, as well as being seen as, like, you know, the, the up-and-coming, uh, uh, if you will, leaders of the, uh, of the high school per, for each class. So. Um, each class had Eagle ambassadors, and what I was noticing is that no one, you know, of color was really being picked to be a leader, and that didn't sit right with me because I applied to be Eagle ambassador, and I'm, you know, well, I was well known in school. Um, I knew a lot of the students. I was involved in honors, AP. So I mean, I thought that it would just be, you know, formality for me. 
I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I was very involved in the high school, but I was even selected for that program. And everyone who was selected was, you know, um, did not reflect the diversity of the high school. There was a lot of white students who were picked and, and Asian students as well. And that didn't sit right with me. So I got together with other students who I knew applied, some of my friends um, in my class. And we said, hey, well, let's do something our last year here where we can have some ownership uh, we can control the narrative and we can still serve the community and give back to folks who look like us and to find some type of um, support system. Hmm. So I met with one of my, my homegirls at the time um, and we decided that we wanted to do some type of after school mentoring program for students that lived in the community who were, um, you know, at the middle school level and for those students who would eventually go to our high school. So we wanted to aim at the eighth grade level um, and we were targeting that community because we knew that a lot of the schools in the area, you know, they were diverse, yes, but there were still a lot of you know, gaps in terms of learning and um, understanding with you know, the black and brown students. So we wanted to serve as role models and show like, hey, like, you know, um, you know, we're here, we're in the community where, you know, we want to help you guys, we want to. Uh, be a mentor, a role model, and just show you the way. And just mm. Help create exposure and access. So we decided to start the after-school program called Promise. It's called uh, Partners Reaching Out, Molding Minds into Scholars of Excellence. And I recruited a lot of my friends, and it reflected the, the diversity of the school. Um, and we would, after school, like once a week or a couple times a week, go to a different middle school and do homework help with select students who are either struggling in math or science and we will be their tutor, their mentor. We would help set up games and um, just, you know, become like a big brother, big brother, big sister to these eighth graders who are looking up to us as like these seniors who are, you know, in the last year of high school. And it was really good. It was a really good opportunity that we did. And that program lasted, you know, even well after I, I left and graduated uh, from high school. So that's kind of how I started off wanting to be a mentor and giving back to my community, especially. I love that like you you weren't starting something to try to really benefit yourself or get you into that Eagles thing, right? You were like thinking right. of others and thinking down the line. Um, yeah. And I guess that's what mentorship is all about, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. It definitely yeah. is. Then you went on to college. Uh, talk yeah. about your, your college journey, what you studied, and you know how you saw a need to do something kind of similar or be involved in similar efforts there. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so yeah, so for my undergrad, I went to a historical black college and university called Claston University. It's in South Carolina. Uh, um, yeah, and, and I, I took that and I went to grad school at the University of Illinois. Thankfully, I had a mentor from Claston who pushed me to apply to U of I, um, short for University of Illinois, um, for the engineering program there. Now, I went to Claflin and I graduated with my bachelor's of science degree in environmental science and chemistry. Um, so I didn't have that strong engineering background, but my mentor at Claflin, he was an environmental engineer. He said, look, there's going to be a lot of good opportunities in that field going forward. Um, this was back in 20, I guess, 2014, 2015. So he kind of pushed me to apply, even though I didn't have that strong background. So I applied to U of I. Um, I was able to visit the campus and just meet professors in the civil and environmental engineering program there. Loved it. 
Um, and I was able to get a fellowship to study for my master's um, and PhD at uh, U of I, <clears throat> excuse me. So with that, well, I said all that because my journey wasn't conventional in terms mm. of um, my where I am today. Like I always had mentors in my life, either giving me encouragement, helping me see things that I didn't see, and doing things that I was doing with you know students who are younger than me. Um, so that's what this whole mentorship thing is so vital because without that, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, yeah. So at U of I, I was a part of this program um, called Arise. And that stands for uh, Academic Registered in Science and Engineering. And this program was geared towards helping low-income students from Chicago, minority students, of course, um, who were excellent and excelled at their high school. But for whatever reason, their high school didn't have the resources or the best teachers or other things. So they weren't able to get the, the maximize their high school experience like students who were coming from the bigger name high schools like Whitney Young um, in, in Chicago um, or Lane Tech. So this program was created to help get students who want to study engineering from low income backgrounds to excel well, just need that extra push or that extra class that they needed to take that the high school didn't provide, whether it was calculus one or pre-calculus, whatever it was. So with this program, like a red shirt in football, uh, you provide full funding for four, for five years, and the first year of their college experience, they have a graduate mentor, myself, and I help them with their 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 um, engineering curriculum. So we do we we have them take classes that they should have taken their senior year in order to get into the engineering school by the time they get to U of I, and they take it their first year. So a lot of prerequisites. Um, Cal one, you know, you got maybe physics one, things like that. Um, and then I'm there to kind of fill in the gap, provide mentorship, homework help, uh, uh, um, helping them navigate the campus life uh, and just being there for them. And it was really nice. It was a great program. And it was the inaugural program when I started it in uh, 2017 with the College of Engineering. And it's still going on today at U of I. And they're bringing in more and more students from Chicago area, Chicago land. Um, and just giving them a chance. Um, that's all a lot of these students need is a chance and exposure. So, hmm. um, yeah. That's that's awesome. So you, you ended up, after all, at that big university, right, that you were thinking of in high school. I did. I you, did. Yeah. You know, you, you had a good journey along the way, though. Other lessons, other experiences that, that you could build on. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And I think you've also hit on you know, why mentorship and some of these kind of programs like Arise or Promise, whatever, are necessary, yeah. right? Like people right. Uh, aren't, there's not an equality of chances and, and people are not getting the same experiences to put them in that position to succeed, right? So like right. these programs need to be created and then people like you need to be there to, to be mentors and help people along the way, right? Is that, is that exactly. the gist? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So you, you get out of school, you go on to, uh, I think, your, your professional career. Maybe, maybe you got involved yeah. with the American Society of Civil Engineers student chapter um, yes. when you were there yeah. and, and started working with that and a Mosaic, Mosaic program. What's, mm -hmm. what's that? Yeah, so Mosaic is a uh, committee of ASC that stands for uh, the Members of Society Advancing an Inclusive Culture. And it's a, an advisory planning committee that's only been um, around for three years. So I'm in my third year of being a part of Mosaic. And it really 
is a community that, a committee, sorry, that helps support and push DEI initiatives, especially when we talk about JEDI, justice, equity, uh, diversity, and inclusion. And that's the big word that a lot of companies and everything is being shaped around now in terms of you know, how we make sure that our industry, our workforce, our policies, the way we interact with folks are equitable and inclusive. Um, so our committee helps create policies. Uh, we help push initiatives and we try to align our goals with the ASCE board of directors. Um, and for example, this past year, we came up with a strategic action plan after two days of uh, meeting with other members who, um, you know, applied to be a part of Mosaic and um, were accepted in or selected in. And we got together and met with some of the board of directors from ASCE and kind of just talked about what does DEI look like in, in, in today? What does that look like in the, in the board? What does that look like within the organization? Like, how do we help push these initiatives? Um, and we created a best, a best practice guide, for example, that's up on the ASC website now that kind of details a lot of different things in terms of how to make sure that you're including everyone in terms of, you know, leaderships, leadership positions, uh, promotions, um, equitable infrastructure. Like, what does that look like when that civil engineering side in lower income communities where a lot of the infrastructure is not equitable. Um, and yeah, it's just, a, it's just a, a growing committee and we're always looking for a new membership, but our goal is really to just help push initiatives, policies uh, through ASCE, through industry, and even with our student outreach at the local student chapter level. So we're kind of there and we can get called upon to, to, to put on a workshop about anything related to DI or to come up with a strategic action plan or a best practice guide. So we're, we're evolving, we're growing, and I love to be a part of that because I think it's um, an important, um, just an important initiative to have, you know, wherever you are in life. So um, just think about how to be more equitable and inclusive. Yeah. Why are some of these programs so important when it comes to STEM? It, you know, it, it seems like that's a big area for yeah. men mentorship, opportunities like you said especially for you know people of color why, why stem yeah. such an area of need uh, I, I feel like stem is such a, a big area of need because i mean we look around you look around your, your life and everything everything comes back to stem eventually like mm. you know science technology <laughs> engineering math that those four things they really run and you know they run society, honestly. Like I'm just being frank. So yeah, I'm trying. Um, I'm trying to convince my 14 and 12 year old of the same thing, right? They're like, they're like, and, um, why, yeah. They're like, why do I have to do? Why do I have to do this math? What is algebra? What's the point of this? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. it'll all. It'll make more sense one day. Just you know, <laughs> right? Exactly. And even even now, like you know, as an engineer, I'm not always you know calculating all the time or remembering formulas I did as a as a, as a child. But it just. STEM learning just helps, you know, frame, you know, help, helps helps frame your, your way of thinking better in terms of, you know, um, uh, solving problems. I guess growing up, when you look around, like in terms of roadways, infrastructure, uh, you know, products, um, how things are made, uh, just all that is related to STEM. And 
a lot of solutions to a lot of issues that lower income and impoverished communities, which happen to be a lot of students, communities of color, uh, could be solved with STEM, right? So who better to tackle these issues than those who are living in those in those areas? So I feel like exposing a lot of black students and people of color to STEM will just help, you know, get back to their own community because they understand the issues that happen with environmental injustices or things that shouldn't be happening, like in Flint or Jackson, Missouri, uh, where the water is, you know, contaminated with lead. So it's really good to expose our community with STEM because those are the same issues that are going to come forth and, you know, affect you the most, affect us the most in our community. So, um, and then when you, when I look around and I go to different conferences and when I go out to, uh, different career fairs and industry or, or what have you, I don't see a lot of representation of black and brown, you know, professionals, uh, whether that they're engineers, whether it be in water industry. Um, so I think it just means that we need to do a better job of exposing those careers and those opportunities at the younger K through 12 level. So people can know, like, hey, like, I don't have to just go, you know, to, you know, I don't have to just go to school and just you know, do business or finance. Like, I don't have to uh, do the military because I have no other options. I don't have to go to do a trade. And nothing's wrong with any of those things. But I feel like just getting us more involved in these STEM fields would just help our communities even more so. So mm. I think that's why it's important to expose my our people to those fields at a younger age, just so they have that in their mind when they're getting ready to go off and make decisions on college or things of that nature. Yeah. One of the things that you and I talked about before this podcast was um, a little bit about the authenticity of some of these programs or some of the mm -hmm. efforts that that companies, employers might put behind them. You know, like yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned that DE&I, Jedi, these are these are big emphasis areas right now. Right. But mm -hmm. uh, some of the things that are happening aren't might not be as authentic. It might just be for numbers or for show, right? Mm. Um, how do, what, what do you think the difference is like between uh, a really genuine effort to try to address some of this stuff and maybe some of the window yeah. dressing kind of thing? You know, we all understand that companies, you know, businesses, they, you, know, you get certain benefits if you meet certain quotas, right? Mm. Like if you have a certain number of, at some companies, you know, some number of diversity at your company, uh, it looks better. I mean, it looks good. Um, you can promote that on your pages, make it seem like you guys are really inclusive and equitable. But you can really tell if it's genuine when you look around the office or your room and then see who's actually in this room um, and, and who's actually making decisions. Is it just coming from the same type of people all the time? Um, and you're just hiring um, folks of color or women or folks who, um, you know, handicapped, disabled, whatever. Are you just hiring these people just to fill a number or fill a quota or to check a box, but then not having any action behind it? Um, you could tell that easily by just, you know, the workplace environment. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you're in the office and you're the one of only or one of few, that's not that's not diverse. I mean, hmm. um, now if you are like, you know, a trailblazer and you're like the first one, and then each and every year you see more and more efforts to get more 
uh, inclusive and equitable through the workforce and through hiring and things of that nature, then and that's something you can easily say that, okay, well, they're actually trying to make a difference here. Um, and then, for example, like, you can always tell, like, when, or I can tell when I would go to career fairs um, and I would kind of be like the black representative of my company and I would have students of color come up to me and say, hell, hey, like, oh, I haven't seen a black engineer from X, Y, and Z company before. Like, I'm interested in applying here. Like, how would you say the workplace environment is? And if I can't really tell the truth on that and say, well, I'm really the only one and I've been the only one here for the past three to four years, I mean, that dissuades other students from coming to that company because it just doesn't paint the, the best picture. Now, those are just different ways you can tell if it's genuine and not genuine. Um, yeah. and so that's how, that's how I frame it to be, honestly. Sure, sure. Uh, I have a couple like uh, how-to questions to conclude our conversation here. So you've been... Um, you know, you've been involved in a lot of these different efforts, right? Along the way, in your current in your current position, how do you get yeah. support from your employer? You know, to mm -hmm. to 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 put time into a committee or into a mentorship. How do you go about doing that? Uh, yeah. yeah, you're interested in in being doing more and being more involved in the community, being a mentor serving on a advisory committee for outside organization, as long as you are passionate about it and you really want to do that work, then you can convince your employer that that's something that would benefit both them and yourself. Now, there's some, there's some intricacies with that. Like, if you're doing a lot of your volunteering like during a nine to five schedule all the time and that it doesn't really have anything to do directly with your jobs. And that might come with some, you know, pushback. But if you're doing whatever you need to do after, after work, or maybe here and there, you might want to do a um, speaking engagement at a local high school and just talk about your company and then talk about what you do. Those are things that you could, that your employer can look at and say, hey, like, you know, they're actually promoting the brand of our company, as well as doing something in the community to help bring potential new employees to the company. So um, it's really a fine line between aligning your personal interest into being a mentor and serving with also the company or the organization that you work for. Um, and at the end of the day, you can do whatever you want outside of your nine to five or whatever your work schedule is. But if you want to actually get more support and, mm -hmm. you know, even get more involvement from folks that you know that work at your company, it, it's always good to talk to your boss and just talk to your coworkers like, hey, like, I'm interested in doing this student outreach chapter with ASCE, which is a professional organization. Um, how can we kind of leverage that with the things that we're doing? Um, or, you know, are you interested in actually joining me? So. Just keeping the lines of communication open are, is very key. And if you're getting pushback from your boss on doing those things that are helping the community, then I don't know if that's someone you want to work with or if you want to be there. So uh, that's something that I've done. And what about what about for you? You know, you're a working professional. You got a, you got a lot yeah. going on. You got your career, right? And your yeah. uh, your responsibilities and trying to grow and all that. How do you right. how do you make the time and find the energy? to do this big, extra, important thing? Yeah, so it's definitely time management is key. Hmm. Um, 
Like I'm involved with NSBE, the National Society of Black Engineers. I'm the programs chair for that chapter. I'm involved with Mosaic. I do uh, part-time remote college coaching on the side, like seven hours a week to low-income students in Chicago and Michigan virtually. So I've definitely got a, <laughs> like a, a pretty busy schedule. But the thing is, I enjoy doing this stuff. So it doesn't feel like work to me. It feels like just a hobby, if, if, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't know. I just find time to make I make time for the things I'm passionate about. Um, so if that means that I have to work an extra couple of hours, a couple of days a week doing some mentorship, that's fine with me. If that means that my Saturday morning, I'm not sleeping in until 12 noon. Um, instead, I'm going to this um, Legos robotics fair to volunteer at 9 p.m., 9 to 12. I can do that because it's fun for me. It's good for folks to see people of color who look like them in fields that they've maybe imagine being in or having imagined being in. So it's really it's really just checking to see what you're able to do. Now I know myself. I know that I can do a lot of different things and, and be good at it. Other people might might want to focus on one group or one initiative. That's fine. Find time for what you're able to do. Don't overextend yourself because then you're not going to give your full self to whatever you're doing. Um, so I think it's I think my schedule works out where I have a few things Nesby related on this day of the week. Next day of the week, I know will be ASD, and the weekend is like open. I can volunteer or do whatever, and it's not every weekend or every week something's going on. But um, I've made time. I'm passionate about it. You're, you got the engineering stuff there. You got it mapped out, right? You got the you yeah. know, plan and <laughs> stru- structure. Yeah, they definitely have a structure. <laughs> process road mapping all of that yeah <laughs> I, I i meant to ask this in the beginning could you just talk about what your your career your job where you are what you do yeah for sure so um you know by degree i'm an environmental engineer um uh, for i got my master's in environmental engineering in 2018 from u of i and for two years i was working as an environmental consultant where i was doing a lot of groundwater sampling work going to super fun sites those are sites that are, you know, um, designated by the EPA or the Environmental Department uh, as uh, contaminated, doing field studies, investigations, you know, crunching numbers, you know, doing contaminant studies. And I was doing a lot of environmental contamination and remediation work. And then I transitioned from doing environmental consulting to the wastewater and stormwater industry as a process control engineer currently at one of the largest plants in um, Indiana, at the Gary Sanitary District. Um, the average flow was like 100 and, you know, their peak flow is like 150 gallons of water. Um, and my position here is I help manage operations of the plant as well as maintenance. So I help optimize process control adjustments in terms of, you know, um, how the plant's running, how the different units within the plant are running. Um, and I do a lot of the also, um, you know, RFQs with contractors. Um, I work with outside engineers if they have a project or design build that they want to do here at the plant. Um, I help manage, like, you know, the capital budget. So I do a lot of different things within operations and maintenance at this large wastewater treatment and stormwater treatment plant, which helps, I mean, quite frankly, uh, it helps keep the environment safe. And people don't think about what happens when they flush the toilet or what happens when we have a big storm and where does the water go? It comes to our plant. So we have to treat it so it comes out clean. If anything, doesn't 
um, you know, detrimentally uh, uh, hurt the environment or for public health reasons. And yeah, and it's been interesting. I never thought I would be in this industry, but I've been learning a lot. And it's a, it's a key source of um, revenue for the city, mm-hmm. as well as an important part of the city. You know, stormwater, wastewater treatment is a huge thing that people don't think about, but it has to be done and it's stable. There's a lot of different opportunities here at this, uh, at this mm-hmm. uh, the district. You can be an engineer, work in maintenance, sales, admin, you'd be a sampler in the lab. So uh, I definitely want to push for more exposure to the water industry, to our communities, because it seems like we have a lot of those issues in getting clean and, and, and safe and drinkable water, potable water in lower income communities that we've seen with Flint and, and Jackson. Jackson, so. sure, sure. So, well, yeah. Tim, uh, I really appreciate uh, the time for the conversation, and I really uh, appreciate everything you're doing, you know, that you've done along the way and you're continuing to do to make things better for other people, pave the way for others, get them engaged, yeah. get them interested, you know. Um, so thanks for the conversation and for all your, your service to others, you know. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. I was, I'm glad to give the opportunity to speak my truth and hopefully inspire folks into giving back, being a mentor, you know. Thank you for listening to the podcast and thanks to Springpoint Partners for the support. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org.